Here's a great reinvention for anybody with OCD tendencies, not serious OCD. We know that's a medical condition. But for those neurotically OCD, like me or some of my friends, um, if you're an organizer, if you like cleaning up, if you get a great kick out of straightening up, and it's a thing. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's not a thing. Um, I've slowly brought my husband over to the organized side of life. It took a long time, but um, it's nice to have an organized, clean house. Um, and I think it was General McCracken who wrote the book this summer that was Make Your Bed, you know, from the military. That's how you start your life out. Every day, it's a new start if you make your bed, right? So if you believe in that, you might want to reinvent yourself the way that Anita Devlin did. Anita's a friend of mine. She comes out of the television and um, casting director areas of the world. And um, she decided to take her personal obsession with organization and turn it into a business. And it's called We heaveho.com and because she comes out of media she also turned it into videos so you can go to her youtube site and you can see videos of her working with her clients and what we found is i can tell you from downsizing myself um, you do feel lighter you do feel better you do feel it's easier to move around in this world when you're not encumbered by tons and tons of stuff and a lot of us are facing issues with our parents' stuff. A lot of us are facing issues now with kids coming back into the home. And um, it's a good time to think about how you're going to reorganize your life. And some people are being forced to reorganize their lives. And so anyway, we're going to talk to Anita Devlin about how she created WeHeaveHo.com and what she does and the crazy situation she puts herself into and why she films them. So it's kind of a mix of a regular business and a media business at the same time, um, which really works off of her. Why are you? So here we are with Anita. So Anita, so good to see you. I'm so glad you're doing our podcast. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun because you have really reinvented in such an interesting way. Let's talk about your original career and what you did in television and how you got there. Let's just have a quick walk through that so people know where you're coming from. You know, if I go back to the beginning, we'd be here forever. I just, <laughs> Short. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that I've taken everything that I've done in the past and I've kind of just taken a little bit from each one of the jobs that I've done, a little piece from everywhere, and that's how I've gotten to where I am today. I was a casting director. I have done uh, production. I've co-produced a film. I produced sizzles, but I did real estate for many years, luxury real estate with a lot of staging and decorating involved. And I've been very OCD my whole life. And I really think that I finally figured out why people love to have me go stay with them because I would just end up reorganizing their pantries and their closets and moving the furniture around. 
So I finally said at age 59, I'm going to turn this into a business. And I've taken it all and just lumped it in. And that's basically what I do. We heave ho and I do a little bit of everything, all those things I just mentioned. And now I, I film a lot of my episodes. I have launched a YouTube channel. It's very interesting because it's a lot about the people that I work with. There's, there's a lot of authenticity and, um, you know, it's fun. It's hard work, but it's also a lot of fun getting to know the clients and the people that I work with. A lot of women my age, but now it's starting to be younger people who are moving home during this crisis. So that's interesting. So let's talk a little bit. Do you have any funny stories about going to people's houses and actually doing this kind of job for them accidentally? I think that the funniest things that happen are when I go in and I work with, um, you know, a lot of people my age are downsizing now and they've lived in their homes for maybe 30, 40 years. So you get called in to go through the attics and the basements and everything in the house. And I think that the dynamics between the husband and wife are hilarious because you end up kind of being a therapist through all of it. The wife is the one that brings you in. I walked to one client's door one day and the husband answers and says to me, who are you and what do you do? And I said, hi, I'm Anita. And why don't you ask me that at the end of the day, if you still want to know. By the end of the day, the husband was pulling me away from the wife nonstop to go work on his things, his clothes, his office. In the beginning, he just, he didn't understand what I was doing, but I happen to have that happens a lot with husbands and wives. And then the wife says to them, hey, I'm the one that brought her in here. I need her up in the attic to go through all the kids' things that are still here. You can't have her. And then I have to go up and down, talk him into getting rid of things for her, talk her into getting rid of things for him. And it's actually very funny. That's why I decided to film the dynamics because I think a lot of us are in the same position. So talk a little bit about that. How did you turn it into a business? And, and do you have any stories? What I was really asking about was the story before you turned it into a business. Because you said you used to go to friends' houses and you would end up accidentally just working on their houses for them and cleaning their rooms and their closets. And that's how you got going in this. If you had a funny story, that would be great. I have to think about that. Okay. How many it, times it's happened. <laughs> okay. Cause that's great. That's really interesting. So what, so when you decided to launch this, what was the craziest thing that you were asked to do and sort of give us the scope of what you will go in and do and clean out. And I think the, the craziest thing, Leslie just happened recently, actually. Um, you know, when COVID came upon us, I thought, oh boy, I am not going to have be, being called in for jobs because I basically work side by side with the owner of, of the home. But I received a call from a realtor friend of mine and she said, listen, you know, we're shut down. We can't go into houses. And I was called by an estate attorney. A couple passed away last summer. They lived in a home for their entire lives. And now the house has been inherited by the owner's brother, who's all the way in the UK. He can't come here because of COVID. 
I can't go in because of COVID. I need you to come in and empty the house and do whatever the attorney wants done. So I said, okay. So I went over to the house. The key was outside. I walked in and I was greeted by two kitty cats. So I called the realtor and I said, um, They'd been living there for a year by themselves? They were there. I think I went in in the beginning of April. The, the husband was the last to pass away, which was last August. So I called her and I said, okay, these are really healthy cats. What's going on? And she said, oh, I, I forgot to tell you. The housekeeper that they had forever has been going in and taking care of the cats a few times a week we need to find someone to take the cats. And I said, okay, well, you know that I'm an animal lover and we have to find a really good home. I've never been asked to heave ho pets before. So the realtor actually really took charge of that. And I said, I cannot come in here and do any of this work until we find a good home for the cats because then I need the cleaning people to stop coming in. I need to have the house vacated because of COVID. I'm not gonna, I don't wanna work around people in and out. We actually ended up, it took about three weeks, but through Pet Rescue, the local pet rescue, we found a lovely woman, a school teacher a few towns away who wanted the kitties. So we went out, we bought, uh, I mean, I'm going to say a six months supply with the food and litter and brand new carriers. We had the cats all cleaned up. They went to the vet, had their shots. And she came to get the kitties. It was a perfect fit. She still sends us photos of them. And uh, they're very happy. But that was the strangest thing I've ever been asked to heave ho. Animals. <laughs> not a good, not a good thing. <laughs> so what, so you're seeing people who want to downsize and need help with actually downsizing. They call you in. And what other kind of issues might they be having that they would call you in for besides downsizing? Well, some people are getting their home ready to put on the market and they uh. want a stage. I don't go in. I don't have a warehouse with furniture. I don't do that type of staging. I basically will go into their home and work with what they have. You know, lots of times we have our living room and dining room, everything's set up the way we've had it forever. We can't look beyond that. A stranger can come in, look through the house, and take a piece maybe from the bedroom and put it in the living room and vice versa. Just moving furniture around and lamps and artwork within someone's house to stage it properly is a really fun thing to do. So basically, I don't like, try, I, I don't like having people spend money if they don't have to. Obviously, you know, they're paying me, but I don't want to go in and say, oh, we have to buy a new this, we have to buy a new that. They're selling their homes. No one wants to go spend money at that point. So I will go in and stage. And while you do that, you end up going through things and saying, you know, they'll always say to me, I'd like to start going through and decluttering. So it all ties in together. They'll donate, they'll declutter. Donating was very difficult through COVID because people weren't taking donations. And that was a whole new set of problems for me when I was doing that big job with the kitty cats were. So that's another reason people call you in. Now I'm doing quite a few jobs. Uh, again, my generation, they're calling me in because their mother or father 
are moving out of their home into assisted living or senior living situation. So we go in and help them decide what pieces they're taking to where they're moving to, selling what they what they have left, et cetera, et cetera, donating, basically going on the flip side once the movers get everything in and decorating their new place. The where do you, and I know that it's changed during COVID, but can you run through some basic places? I think when we were downsizing, we didn't even know where to start. We had so much stuff packed into a house we hadn't dealt with in 24 years. Like, what are your favorite, you know, um, agencies for giving away different things or selling different things? Where do you, where do you suggest people look? Well, I usually ask the client if they have organizations that they like to donate to. A lot of people will say, for instance, this big house I just did, uh, the MS Society, you have, um, we call on the Vietnam vets a lot. We, people love to donate, especially the husbands to the Vietnam vets. Towels, linens, uh, uh, quilts, comforters, always humane society. People forget about that. That's where you always take your old towels and, and bedding. And you can just drop it off outside to the Humane Society so you don't have to worry about going in during these times, which is wonderful. I go there a lot. Most people, I also just had a situation where there were a lot of medical supplies, wheelchairs, canes, things like that. <coughs> I have an organization out here in Westchester that we donate to where they supply all these, these medical pieces to a woman's organization in Africa with, you know, this stuff is so expensive. They can't get their hands on this. So that we, we I suggest if there's medical equipment. People use Is that IAFA? Is that IAFA? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've done, we've done a story on Danielle for um, when I was at Moore. She's great. And she takes all the old medical supplies and things like that, that everybody thought were no longer useful. I have a car full right now of things that I need to drive up to Yonkers and to, uh, to she's amazing. And, and she'll send really, um, I know containers full of things, hospital supplies that hospitals can't use, um, because they've been exposed or, you know, the, the, the new, the American medical, um, strictures are much more strict than around the world in terms of even things that haven't been un, unwrapped or unpacked that just can't Correct. be used. Yeah. You know, boxes and boxes of adult diapers never opened in an attic. Donate to, to someone like that. A woman, I did a job in New Jersey. She had a brand new, never used sleep apnea machine, $500. She said, I can't use it now. I've never used it. What, what do I do with this? I said, let me have it. And that's going there. You know, canes, walkers, wheelchairs, all of those kinds of things. I love that organization. Um, so again, I couldn't even drop off to local charity places during COVID. I held on to a lot of things myself. And now people are opening up and accepting things as far as clothing and things like that. So most of the time, as I said, most people have places they want to do it, Alzheimer's, uh, breast cancer, and that's where I try to, I, I look first. Is there a place to look? I knew, I know I had a hard time even finding 
where to start. And the Vietnam vets were fantastic. I agree with you. They took 99% of everything. Um, but when you have like old furniture, things like that, where do you get rid of that? Because that was really hard. We had to find people who would come take our old couches, which were in fabulous shape, but just couldn't come all the way down to Louisiana. Um, what do you do about furniture people don't want or the kids, you know, they're trying to hand it down to kids who don't want it. What do you do with that? Well, as long as my clients do not have high expectations of the value of these pieces of furniture, someone will always say, I paid $5,000 for that sofa. And I tell them, well, that was 10 years ago and you're not going to get $5,000 for it now. It's your decision you can either put it in storage and pay for it to sit there for the rest of your life, or I direct them to an online auction. There are great auctioneers, clearinghouse, estate auctions. I have people there. They'll come to someone's house. They'll go through the whole house. And so now I'm talking everything from a beautiful dining room table to a, a basket of of silk fake flowers they will put them all on an auction site and it's all done within a matter of probably soup to nuts two weeks they come in they take photos they do the descriptions it goes online as one big auction and then when it's done the auction is finished they come back into your house they take everything either outside or down to your garage and they have a time limit People pull up, maybe two cars at a time. They're outside. Nobody's coming into your home. They take it out to the car. They sign for it. And I think a lot of the different sites, there are a couple of different ones, but mostly you get 50-50 split, 60-40 split, and you can sell drapes, lamps, dishes, furniture. Um, again, you're not getting what you paid for it, and it's really funny to watch these auctions. Here's a funny one for you. There was a client I had in Greenwich, Connecticut, and they had fabulous things for the auction. They said to me, there was a little table that I loved. And they said, why don't you just take that table that's yours? I had to sand it and repaint it. I wanted to do something fun with it. And I, I usually don't take anything from a client, but this one, they're like, please take it, please take it. I said, okay, I will. Well, I waited two days to go pick it up. And unfortunately, they photographed it, put it on the auction, I ended up bidding on it. I got into a bidding war for the table because now I wanted it so badly and I didn't take it until the last minute, all the way down to the wire, I won by $10. I was so excited to get my table. That's and so I funny. What about getting people to understand? Because that there was a piece written um, a while ago. I think it was in the Times. I can't remember where. And it was kind of a shocking piece, which was, no, your kids don't want your stuff. How do you get, it's such a shock. I mean, our generation, we collected things, we have antiques, we have, you know, dishes from our parents handed down. And the generation coming after us, I don't know if this will change after COVID because of the cost structure of what's going to happen out there, um, or sentimental you know, reasons. I'm hoping it'll change because I love old things. But have you, have you seen people struggle with this realization that, you know, their kids don't want their stuff? It's very different than 
our generation wanting the stuff from the past generations. Any insight on that? It happens all the time. I'm sitting in my dining room right now looking at my grandmother's pieces, my mother's pieces. I took the time, you know, I don't like brown furniture. So I took the time, I sanded my pieces. My girlfriend came and helped me paint them, distress them. I love being surrounded by all of these memories. I relate this generation. I call them, a lot of people call them, it's not, I didn't make this up, the microwave generation. These kids seem to want to flip through a catalog and it's all very cookie cutter. You walk into so many homes of a particular generation beneath us, everything looks the same. It's like out of a pottery barn catalog, everything's gray, white, beige, and white. Uh, the pieces are all the same. They all have the same restoration hardware sofa. It just seems to me that it's just like, like look at the homes that are being built now. We used to go, at least I did, and look at a home and walk in and say, wow, there's so much charm here. Sure, I'm going to have to do some fixing up, maybe a little renovating, but there are things we can do ourselves, but there's charm. They don't seem to want that. They want it simple, clean cut, just clear and very stark. And that's how they seem to want their furniture. They won't take the time to take your grandmother's beautiful buffet table and put it in their dining room. A lot of them don't even have dining rooms now. Yes, I have something that I put up on Instagram that was so funny and it was a storage unit wide open, filled to the brim with things pouring out into the, onto the parking lot. And there's a father with his walker looking at his son and saying, look, son, someday this will all be yours. And they're all looking at this stuff like they're going to call somebody to come and cart it away. They're going to call junk luggers. It's so frightening that this happens, but unfortunately it is. What are we going to do though, Leslie? We can't you, stick it in storage. Do you think it's a taste change? And ironically, remember, this is the generation that's tattooing themselves to death, right? Right. So they look unique, but, and I've never really understood that contrast because yes, I've heard that. I've seen that when you stage your house today, anybody who's gone through this, it's shocking. They want beige walls, beige everything, beige furniture, colorless, um, no personality whatsoever, just blank slate. And a lot of people keep the blank slate. <laughs> That's right, they, right, right. Some people called it the generation that it, it should all, it, it's pottery barn, but it's all... Um, coming out of uh, hotel furniture. I totally agree. And it's interesting that you say that about tattoos because one of the biggest reasons that people actually go out and get a tattoo, it's to remember something. It's to, you know, you know, I was worked a lot in the addiction recovery world. A lot of people get tattoos because, you know, related to their journey and what they went through because they never want to forget uh, people get tattoos, you know, mom or, you know, someone that they loved or one of their pets. It's all about memories. It's all about remembering. But they don't want to surround themselves with those memories physically in their home, which, again, I find incredible comfort in it. I love having these pieces that I'm looking at right now as I talk to you. I, I, I find great comfort in it. It's kind of like 
It's kind of like when you cook a recipe from that your grandmother used to make or your mom who's passed away. Just the aroma, you know, just you just it just brings back these beautiful memories. So sense I don't of know. history. Sense of history. But you know, that's interesting when you say that because now I'm wondering, you know, the way that kids, um, you know, the millennials um don't they they move from job to job. They're living in these sort of generic houses. Maybe they've decided that they got to be like snails where they take, they take those memories with them. Maybe, maybe you can't leave it in a house. Do you know what I mean? It just, when you said that, I thought, wow, maybe they've really internalized them, not externalized them where we've externalized it. So interesting. (coughs) So talk a little bit about the, um, the fun parts of your business and how you decided to turn it into video. Where can people find the video and what are they going to learn? Um, we have a YouTube channel. I just hit over 80,000 views. Uh, it's on my uh, YouTube channel or on my website. Either way, weheaveho.com. Um, you know, the Heave Ho, people always ask me, where did you come up with that name? And honestly, the true story is one of my best friends was going through a tragic divorce years ago before I even started this business. We were standing up in her garage. She said, please come over and help me get rid of all of his stuff. We called in a big blue dumpster, put it down the driveway, opened the windows up in the attic, literally threw everything, heaved all of his stuff out of those windows and we both started chanting, heave ho, as we were doing it. And it just stuck with me because I watched her feeling better and better as she was doing it. And that's where I came up with the name. That's where I like, I have fun doing the videos because always at a certain time in during the videos, my clients say it because they feel really good as they're tossing something out. Um, I, I just like, with store, I just hired actually a whole brand new social media team, which I've never had. They're taking over all of my social media at the end of this week, which is tomorrow, actually. And what we're doing, I told them, I don't want to be cookie cutter. I want to do very different things. A big part, I mean, the latest episode that went up, even though you and I filmed it a year ago, I just put it up a few weeks ago. That was just a consultation with you, but it was so interesting having conversations, getting to know, I mean, I know you, but just you and I having conversations as a woman of a certain age, having the conversations about, you know, being dismissed in in life at the certain age, talking about what you've done, your incredible past, and getting to know a client. My favorite part, the authenticity, getting to know my clients. I'm going to do all these videos, taking clips out of the longer episodes, get to know my client. And some of it's hilarious. Some of it is really interesting. Everyone is different. I believe in that human connection. Everything's digital, but you can still get that human connection running through it and talking about we're all going through something. Everybody's dealing with something. If they tell you they're not, they're lying. Let's all talk about what's happening in our lives because somebody's going to listen. Somebody's going to learn from it. 
we need to all support one another, help one another, and let's have fun while we're doing it. That's basically what I want to do. I don't know if it's going to fly. It can't, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'm just doing it because it feels like the right thing to do and it feels good. Awesome. So as we move into, believe it or not, we're all, almost at the end here. Let's talk about if somebody's thinking of creating a business like yours, say they're, you know, organized kind of people and they come out of a different business. What's the three main things they need to know or that you wish you had known um, before you got into it? What are the three major issues, impediments, or positives you need to know? I think that if you're thinking of doing something like this, you need to just start off doing some things for people that you know. Maybe they don't, haven't asked you, but you can ask them. And you can say to your girlfriends that you're really close to, you know what, your pantry's a mess. Can I organize it for you and take some before and after pictures? You can say, hey, let me help you with your closet. I can make it look better. And, you know, you're not charging them. You're just doing it so that they can see if you know what you're doing. And if you do, they're going to share that information with other people. And then you can share it on your social media. A friend tells a friend tells a friend. I have never advertised. I have never paid to advertise. I am all word of mouth and I am never not working. I like to do it, you know, in my own time frame. So you can carve out when and how much you want to do it because it's a lot of heavy lifting. If you can't afford when you're first starting out to hire people to help you do that, you have to be very careful because you could hurt yourself. So you can do this in your own time frame. Let people talk about how good you are. Show people what you can do. And then you just go on to the next step that the one thing you really need to always remember and you need to have patience you need to always listen to your client. You cannot tell someone you need to get rid of that. Unless it's broken and decrepit and they're paying to store it somewhere, you cannot tell people you have to throw that away. You need to talk through things with your clients. Um, donating is a very, very big part of this job. It feels good to donate. And that's a really good thing that you need to know. Have places lined up that you can talk to your clients about as far as donating. Once you start doing it, if you do a good job, people are going to start spreading your name around. And then you start feeling around and going into their homes. And it's kind of funny that you find out that you have all these other areas of things that you're good at when you're in someone's home. It's very rewarding. It's really rewarding to help people when you walk away and everything is nice and orderly for them. And there's no better time to do it than right now when everyone's stuck at home. Wear your mask, don't have a lot of people in, and just go in and do it. And just talk about life and talk about things. You get very intimate when you work closely with somebody in their home. And uh, I think it's a real learning experience. Anything that one should be aware of, especially with COVID, um you know, sort of messing around with all of our businesses right now. Are there any sort of tips and tricks that you have to be aware of? I mean, you said you don't go into houses where people are there. You have to make sure no one's there, right? Uh, I am now. I have been now because New York has been, you know, has quieted down. Um, we wear masks. 
I work with people who are not out and about, people that I know, and I know they're not running around because they're pretty much as freaked out about it as I am. Um, you need to constantly wash your hands. You need to wear your mask. I've been asked recently to go back into New York City and do a big job. I'm very apprehensive about it because then it means parking garage, someone getting into my car, touching my things, getting into an elevator. I'm, I'm concerned about that. I don't know if I'm going to take that kind of a job. What I'm doing right now is just working. One person I'm working right with right now is 85 years old. It's just him. He has on his mask. I have on mine. We're never standing side by side. I am extremely careful when I'm not there because I know that I'm going to home of someone who's 85. You know, I'm 60. I get to stand in line early at Whole Foods too. I'm in that bracket of the elderly. So just have to be really super careful. As everyone does every day, just don't be on top of one another and wear your mask and wash your hands. Great. Well, Anita, thank you so much. It's such a great business. And it's a, I think, you know, I think people are going to want change. And I think also it's funny how many people have said to me now that they're spending all this time in their homes, they realize how much they want to work on them. So I'm guessing that interest will go up as time goes on. Cause you know, we weren't spending all that much time in our homes. We were running around like crazy. So Thank you so much for all this time and thank you for all you do and congratulations and we'll all come watch you on the YouTube. Thank you so much for having me. So thank you for listening to reinvent yourself. This was really fun. Um, I hope it inspired some of you to think about taking your personal habits, issues, concerns, and maybe turning them into a business. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work as long as it works for you. We all have little ticks and differences, and who knows, it might actually make a business for you. So I hope you've enjoyed this, and if you have, I hope you'll subscribe. And I hope you will also pass us along to other people who might need to be inspired to reinvent themselves, either on a small scale or a large scale. And if you like what we do, I hope you'll wander over and check out coveyclub.com, which is our website, and come and check out all the other things we do. We do fabulous webinars that teach you all kinds of ideas and skills that will help you reinvent in the future, that will broaden your life, and that will make you a citizen who can contribute out there. And we also have a lot of fun. So come join us and hope to see you again next time.